let's just start for just a second. Uh, tell me, what were some of the one words that you heard about Sabbath? Sabbath means what? Well, what's the image? What? What were you saying? Sabbath means Sabbath. Okay. Kids getting ready for school. What else? Church. Worship. Rest. Holy. Quiet. Family. No work. Leisure. Listening. Football. I know when to shut it down. We want to talk about some of those feelings today. And that's actually, it's a... A good day to talk about it, in part because I feel good, uh, which is not always the case. Often, I, uh, I feel tired. I, I'm not alone. I live in a nation that runs frenetically and literally, classically has a symptom uh, called sleep deprivation. Now, but today, I feel different. I feel, uh, I feel powerful. I feel like Charlton Heston on top of the mountain. You know, Charlton Heston, you remember him? Exodus 20, uh, the the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, by the way, is on page 111, if you want to look at it. Page 111 is the story where uh, Charlton Heston, I mean Moses, comes down from the mountain and God speaks to him. God speaks to him and to us and says, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then in verse 7. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven or on earth or in the waters below. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not work, nor your children, nor your servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner living in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but God rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So... We are commanded to stop. We are commanded to rest. We are commanded to Sabbath because God made us that way. In the image of God, he made them. And we, like God, are made to rest on the seventh day. And we damage the creation by nonstop motion. But did you know that, uh, that the Ten Commandments are actually written down twice in the Bible? I think it wasn't until I was in my late 20s or 30s that I knew that the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus 20, but they're also found in Deuteronomy 5. And they're almost identical until you get to this third commandment. No other gods before me, no graven images, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And then it says... In Deuteronomy 5, we'll put it up on the screen. Observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy as the Lord commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sounds exactly the same, but then look at verse 15. Remember, this is the reason you're to keep the Sabbath. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. 
and that the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, because of that, the Lord has commanded you, observe the Sabbath day. So Exodus 20 is to remind that God alone has made us. Made us in his image, and that as God rested, we are to rest. And here in Deuteronomy, God adds that God alone not only made us, but God alone saves us. And we need to stop and remember and rest. And resting is a commandment. A commandment I believe that I disobey perhaps more frequently than any of the other nine. I believe we are created to work, and I believe we are created to rest. And so as many of you get that one more chance in the next two or three weeks, that one more last bit of vacation before school starts or after Labor Day, work ratchets up, as you go off for that last little bit of rest, will it work? Will you come back refreshed? Or will you just be ticked that you have to jump back in and you're still tired? Can I just make one parenthetical uh, exclusion from this? If you have a child under three, relax. Relax. This is the hiatus in your life where there, there seems to be a need more than ever for Sabbath, but it has to take different forms for you. I, I, just, uh, I, I just discovered a lot about rest on my sabbatical. We are talking about things we have learned, and I feel like I learned a lot about rest. Brad Jackson said, dude, you've been practicing this sermon for four months. It ought to be good. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and he's right. It was a phenomenal time. I, uh, I read uh, dozens and dozens of books, most of them fiction, which was great. But I read Metaxas' book on Bonhoeffer, Marin's book on the, the gay and lesbian community, Love is an Orientation. I read Chandler's book, Following Christ on the Muslim Road. Do I know how to have a good time or what, huh? <laughs> but the best book I read uh, was by Mark Buchanan. Mark Buchanan is a Canadian, and he he wrote a book called The Rest of God. The Rest of God. We have it in Pathway. The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring the Sabbath. He says we must learn or relearn to rest, or we will never get our lives to look anything like the abundance of life God has for you. You have to learn to rest, but first... He says, you have to learn how to work, to work as a child of God. Many of you are great workers, but many of us hate work. Others of us worship our work, whether that's our jobs or our children. Which kind of worker are you? I think you only learn what kind of worker you are as as you learn to rest. One of the quotes that grabbed me from Buchanan's book was this. It says, The opposite of a slave is not a free person. The opposite of a slave is a worshiper. The person who is most free is not someone who wins $230 million in the lottery. I wouldn't mind that. But that's not the opposite of slavery. 
The opposite of slavery is the person who turns the work of their hands into a sacrament, into an offering. Because then when they work, it doesn't matter if she's a student or he's retired or you're somewhere in between working like crazy. When our work is done well, it makes Christ known. As Jesus was known when he worked, when he washed the feet of his disciples, when he broke the bread and gave it on the road for others, the work of our hands is meant to become the worship of our hearts. And God says when we work like that, he would bless it. You know why? You know why so many men die soon around retirement, right before, right after retirement? It's because they have learned neither how to rest nor how to work. They don't have a constructive view of their work. They either hated their work or they worshipped being busy because being busy made them feel important and they put their faith in a false god, the god of work. And in this congregation, that's not limited to men. Some of you who have sacrificed incredibly to raise children wonder why your lives are empty when the children are gone. Here's a radical idea. I would like to offer you a spiritual practice that we will just practice together in the middle of the sermon here. Here's the radical idea. The next time you are tempted to complain about work, Praise God that you have a job. The next time you open your mouth to gossip about the people that you work with or smear the people you work for, stop and turn the other direction. Pray for those people. Thank God for your competitors. Find the good in them. That would be a radically different way of looking at work. The next time you want to quit, think of worship. The next time you are so sick of retirement that you want to puke, think of Psalm 90. Psalm 90 says, Establish thou the work of our hands. Yea, establish the work of our hands. So what I'd like you to do right now is just take your hands and look at them. Can you do that? Just pull your hands out, look at your hands, Imagine them filled with something that is work-oriented, whether you are a student or retired, a housemaker, or you will go back to work soon. Look at your hands and now close your eyes. Specifically, think of someone that you work with or that you work for. Pray for them. Now think of something that your work has provided you. Clothing, food, table, car, vacations. And thank God for what your work has provided. Because even if it's not much, it's much more than those who lack work. Now, with our eyes closed... Let us thank God for what is supposed to happen six days of our week.
Amen. Amen means so be it. I agree. Let's do it. Something like that. We are built to work six days a week. We're also built to rest. Sometimes you see that just uh, as a, a natural biological thing. You cannot go day after day after day after day without sleep. But you can go day after day after day after day after day without stopping from work. It is an interruption of a rhythm. And because it's less visible, we think it can be less important. And then frankly, just as we misunderstand work, we also misunderstand rest. I think we've turned rest into a growth industry. And if we work hard, we rest hard. We relax hard. But does it work? Author Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. I don't know if you've read that. Amusing Ourselves to Death. The the thesis of the book, frankly, was he contrasted George Orwell's 1984. The government controlled everybody's lives by watching them all the time, making them do things. He said, that's terrible. And he contrasted that with Huxley's book, about uh, brave new worlds where the government controlled not by oppressing but by ruining the society with artificial pleasure robbing them of their ability to strive forward taking away the challenges that rob people of real life which one is us today? Buchanan again struck me with this quote, he says, one of the largest obstacles to real Sabbath is leisure. One of you said leisure. I tend to agree that leisure is part of the Sabbath, but he says leisure is the Sabbath without the sacred. Leisure is Sabbath without the sacred. It's just vacationing, which means vacating, taking out, taking ourselves out of the equation, vacating without the sacred, and that often is why we return from vacations or recreation more exhausted or drained or even bored than before. Let me give you an example. This is a good place to discuss the idea of shopping as recreation, shopping as Sabbath. Can anything good really refresh our souls that comes out of a mall or a shopping bag? Don't answer that. This is a good time to talk about Sabbath is shopping. It is not a good time to talk about Sabbath as watching football. Does it really make me a better man to watch three to six hours of something violent with loud, annoying, materialistic commercials? Or would that time be better spent reading, talking with your spouse, in silence, playing with the children? Like I said, it's not a very good example at all. I'll I'll find better, better examples. That's leisure. Contrast leisure with uh, two days that I had this week. Uh, We had a staff retreat. We had six hours of meeting after meeting after meeting. It does not sound very restful. But we were sitting on the dock of a lake up north, and we started our meetings with the eyes of our heart being open to what was around us. We started by listening to what Calvin calls the fifth gospel. John Calvin was one of the starters of the Reformation. And he said, God wrote Matthew and Mark, 
Luke, and John. And God wrote a fifth gospel, and he put us in it. It is the world of nature, Calvin said. And when you hear the bird, when you really hear the bird, when you're slow enough to see the mountains or to feel the cool of the stream, you know in a different way that there is a God. And our staff started our meetings by praying for how nature could remind us of the faithfulness of God. Somebody prayed that the lapping water reminded this that God's love never fails. The sun was a reminder that we don't have to push it up to make it happen. The walk of the ants across the sidewalk was a reminder that they were burdened and we are not meant by God to be ants. Sabbath is not leisure, even though God expects his children to play on the Sabbath. Sabbath is not entertainment because left in front of the TV or in the shopping mall, we amuse ourselves to death. Sabbath is mostly about finding sacred moments. Moments where I stop long enough for the God who is always present to feel a little closer to me and give me life that is really life. Stopping on the Sabbath does not mean vegging in front of a TV. But it means what the psalmist says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Only as you are still will you know that there is a God right around you. Sabbath means looking with different eyes. Opening the eyes of our heart instead of saying, where did that darn kid go? Cataloging all the things I have to do, making our lists. It is seeing what God has done. And then it's listening. Whether it's hearing the laughter or the squeal of children. You know, when you're young as a preacher, you get a little freaked out when this kid is just going crazy over there. Because you know that none of them are listening to you. And you're afraid they were never listening to you before. Now, when I hear the kids scream, I go, God, how cool is that? That some parents have loved their children enough to bring them in here. Now get the kid to the booth, will you? No. Hearing a child is like hearing God say, I love you. The call of a bird. I made you. We stop, we look, we listen. And Sabbath is a time where we are restored. Rest is restoring When we rest, we are restored when we thank God. When we thank God for all the things that we have forgotten to thank God for through this last week, gaining a sense that God, that same God, will be with us tomorrow. Let me pray for you. This is so important that God put it in the top ten. Do not let rest be stolen from you or you will neither live nor work nor love the way God intended for you. But let me pray for you that you and I will submit to God and set aside time for Sabbath for the rest of your souls. In Africa, they say often that they have to wait outside the sanctuary for their souls to catch up with their bodies. My prayer is that 
your soul has caught up with your body so that all of you can rest. Lord Jesus, you lived a very busy life, and yet frequently it says that you would take time out and be by yourself and yet not alone. Frequently you would rest when you could do no more. Lord, many of us find it hard to rest because we are addicted to noise. And we find it hard to stop because our hands twitch without a blackberry. And we find it hard to think, to thank, because we are worried people. I pray for my sisters and my brothers here that in the busyness of their lives, you will keep them not only coming back here to find rest for their souls and quiet for their hearts, but you will give them Sabbaths along the way. Rest stops that they might hear the voice, the one who says, My burden is light and my yoke is easy. Come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And I, and I alone, will give you rest. Amen.